0: hey folks this week on the show we've got another sub 30 uh angler uh hayden marbot who uh is coming off a win in the toyota Series event on like gunnersville um there's a uh couple of uh There's a stat correction I need to make for slightly later on in the show. Um, I mentioned that he is the 26th or 27th youngest Toyota Series winner we've ever had. And I think that he is, among co-anglers and boaters, among just boaters, he's the 6th youngest, which is uh, a lot cooler, obviously. Uh, But anyway, he's 20 years old. He got the do- job done at Gunnersville. We cover that. We cover a bunch of other stuff. And uh, he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to know the name of going forward. And he also mentioned a few others later on who you're going to want to be dialed in on. So uh, anyway, thanks for listening. And here's Hayden. All right. We are joined now by Hayden Marbet, who uh, is coming off a win at the Toyota Series on Lake Guntersville. Uh, crushed it basically the whole way. And... Also you're just 20 years old. You're I think like the 27th youngest or something like that to win a Toyota series event which uh I mean basically everyone who wins is 20 now. Uh but dude congrats.
1: I appreciate it. It was a it was a pretty crazy week but 27th youngest is pretty scary. I'm not even I'm not even 21. I couldn't even celebrate and have a beer, but there's been 27 people younger than me to win.
0: I actually need to check that stat cuz it when um I think it's probably counting co-anglers. Ah. Uh, uh, which like is fair because there's, you know, definitely like plenty of guys who have been like, you know, 16 and fished their first one as a co-angler. Uh, but maybe don't take that stat to the bank yet. Like I, I do need to dive into it a little bit more. Um, right. But uh, either way, Wicked Young and you know it's Gunnersville, it's kind of your home lake, but he still did awesome um what's it been like to win because you've won national championships as a boat or as in college and you're still in college but you know you did this one solo
1: yeah um it's a little bit different at this level you know that's kind of really what I wanted to do this year I've had that success like you said through high school and college fishing and I just wanted to step up to this level this year and just kind of see how it went you know just test the waters and see how I stacked up against some of these guys and to pull it off last week you know in my first one it was definitely a big confidence builder and I'm excited for the rest of the season it was pretty pretty wild I never imagined I would win you know I, like you said I had a lot of experience at Lake Gunnersville, but I don't know usually that that home lake curse seems to get most people and I don't know I guess I just I kind of fished more free last week than normal you know i I haven't fished up at Gunnersville a ton that time of year. So, like, you know, I knew the whole layout of the lake, but I didn't have a ton of prior knowledge to what they would be doing. And, you know, I just ended up live-scoping mostly just because I felt like I could be the most consistent that way.
0: Yeah. You caught him really good in the BFL, though, just the week before, right? You had 25 pounds, which was honestly – you're 25-11, which is bigger than any day any day you had in the Toyota. Like, did you – how much did you practice for that? Did you end up doing exactly the same thing, or did stuff change on you?
1: Um, so I practiced like a day and a half, probably – or close to two full days for that term. I came up from Auburn, I think, that Wednesday night and then practiced Thursday and Friday. And, you know, they are kind of doing the same thing, but I think there's a lot more fish out there for what I wanted to be doing. And the water was down like a good, a good solid foot that week for the BFL, anticipating all that rain that was coming in for the Toyota. And it was super clear so like you know it wasn't hard i I probably caught 45 fish in the bfl and i didn't even have a big wow. one i just had all just you know just five pounders it was like five and a quarter they're just all fives i couldn't couldn't catch one of those big six seven pounders and ended up fourth and you know like 31 pounds won that so i knew like going into the toyota i was like wow like these boys are going to catch them
0: yeah yeah, it was a, I mean, the BFL was a fast and the Toyota was too. I mean, we didn't see like the super, super top end weights. Like some people maybe thought was going to happen in the Toyota, but mm-hmm. I mean, like 20 pounds was not special, which is just nuts that you can have. I think the whole top 10 averaged over 60 pounds. I mean, it was amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw something on Facebook the other day, like looked at Gunnersville Toyota weights, where are the tens? I was like, dude, did you look at how many 20 pound bags there were? Like everyone had 17. You didn't even get a pat on the back for 17 pounds, which is pretty impressive. Guntersville's fishing really good right now. It's the best I've seen five or six years since I've been fishing up there a lot. And I think if it stays at this level for another year or two, we're going to start seeing a lot of those 30 pound bags again, like you're seeing in that, you know, 2011 to 2014, 15 range.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And like, it, it, right now even it's not just a live scope thing right because Mm -hmm. you know you might there there are lakes where live scope is catching a lot of the big fish and certainly you know it's probably won the last two tournaments on gunnersville i would say i don't know for a fact about the bfl but you know there's a lot of that top 10 was in the grass and uh, most of the guys in the top 10 had like a 23 to 24 pound day like at least one of the days you know it was not a 100 percent scope event by any means which is you know which is cool and it's probably even cooler for guys who you know gunners are like a lot of people come there from out of town to fish like it's probably even better for those guys because you know dropping the trolling motor in and just scoping all day is like kind of intimidating on a lake that size whereas there's grass all over the place you know
1: no doubt. Yeah. And I don't think it'll ever be where it's just, just a live scope lake just because of all that grass. You know, I mean, you see guys, I mean, you can catch them off the bridges without live scope, just like guys did years ago when Jay Kendrick and those guys won Toyotas, you know, just yeah. throwing them. Like, that's how you saw there's a New Year's Day tournament I fished out there and I had 25 and didn't even get a check.
0: Gosh, that's nuts.
1: Was, it took 28 and a half to get a check. There were some guys caught 28 and didn't get a check. 32, one. You know, just bridge fish like that. And I don't think it'll ever be where it's just you have to have live scope to compete out there. I mean, you can still flip up you know, that, that late summer, fall. You can still go flipping and catch 25, 26, 27 pounds.
0: I guess I want to talk a little bit more about Gunnersville, but you've kind of alluded to this a couple times now where, you know, you went and you fished on New Year's, which I guess is a school holiday. You went and you fished for uh, in the B, in the BFL, you were fishing in this, you have fished a lot in college. Um, when, uh, when did you get like into bass fishing, right? You know, what was, cause you're only 20, you know, this is not a extensive thing. When did you dive into it? When did you decide to go to college? I want to get into that aspect a little bit. Um,
1: you know, my, my dad fished tournaments. He fished some growing up and then, he never like pressured me into it. You know, he always wanted me to kind of find it on my own and do what I wanted to do. Cause I feel like you get pressured into it. Some people get burned out and stuff like that. And I just kind of found it on my own. And I was like, I remember being, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade, like I want to fish some of these high school tournaments, dad, like this looks cool. And I remember going to state championship weigh in when I was in like seventh grade and I was like, Oh, this is what I want to do. This is sick. And, uh, so I started fishing a bunch of high school tournaments my my freshman sophomore year and really my sophomore year you know like when I turned sixteen that's really when you can kind of branch out and start fishing a lot and ever since I was sixteen I fished fished a ton and then you know my junior year of high school whenever I was right when I right before I turned seventeen COVID hit so we weren't going to school anymore we weren't doing a whole lot of anything I was like. I'm fishing every day. I'm not doing anything else. So really got to go really hard during COVID. And that following year, a lot of people went back to school and I had the opportunity to go back to school and I chose not to. I, I uh, could do school online and I'd work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and fish the other four days of the week. So, you know, ever since, ever since COVID, I've spent over, over 200, 220, 250 days on the water every year. And then, you know, when I was a senior, chose to come down here to auburn and i've been down here three years fishing college and trying to get as much experience across the country as i can cool
0: uh and auburn is i've talked with some of the guys down there it's it's not a team do you have scholarships or or not like it's not like a there's some schools that are you know bethel they have an actual program right and and auburn's a little bit more student run right
1: yeah you know we're completely student ran the school the school doesn't fund us at all which which is you know it'd be nice if they did but at the same time it's super cool because i've been able to be vice president this year and i've learned a lot about the business side of fishing you know from like a networking with sponsor standpoint and everything like that and what they expect and working with them on shoots and everything like that which been which it's been super beneficial for me personally and you know, I actually really enjoy it being student ran. It's cool to see everybody kind of come together. Like we're designing these jerseys, we're we're going out and talking to these companies, we're setting up booths at iCast to come talk to everybody. And
0: it's super cool. That that is cool. And then like how how long do you foresee yourself doing this, if that this makes sense? Because you're obviously really you're obviously really into it. You're catching fish really well. You've caught fish really well in college. Like, are you gonna stay fishing in college your whole college career? Do you think, or is there going to be a point do you think where you're like, well, I've been in college long enough, and now it's on to the next thing? You know, your Gill is what 21, and he's on the Bass Pro Tour. I mean, is yeah, um, is that trajectory possible, or are you sort of in it for the slow build? Uh
1: you know um that's something that i've been kind of thinking about the last six months a lot and we're not really sure yet but you know the only i love college fishing but and it's it's not not about the money but it is nice to fish for some money when you've got boat payments all these expenses <laughs> and stuff like that so we'll see how the toyota's go this year i'm not gonna you know say anything yet but if we Well, it depends on kind of how we do the rest of the season and what we can do with that, what doors open up and what everything kind of leads to.
0: Okay. When you were, when you were starting out in fishing and like fishing high school term and stuff, like who were your bass fishing heroes? Like, did you watch YouTube? How did, like, when I was, when I was like younger in fishing, like Kevin Pandam was the man, right? And you're a like, legitimately, you know, you're a different generation than me. And, like, Kevin Van Dam was good when you were coming up, but he wasn't winning every single tournament. You know, what was – how – what's what, – what were the guys that you looked up to? Um, Being from Alabama,
1: was like, you can see in the whole Jordan and Matt Lee run through Auburn, they are definitely big influences. And then, you know, I went to Briarwood my junior year and – Tucker and I won a national championship, and Aaron Martin's daughter went there, you know, so we got, to, we got to talk to Aaron a little bit, Tucker a lot more than me. Tucker got to know him really well, and, you know, I don't know, it was just somebody who's, you know, you'd always watch videos of him and just listen to him talk. His brain was just wired differently, so it was always cool watching him, too. He's pretty inspiring for me.
0: Yeah, I've thought about this a bunch recently, but, I mean, God, what I would give to see that guy with LiveScope I feel like, you know, because he knew more about fish that did stuff that nobody thought fish did before he even had it, you know. And yeah. now we know so much more about fish.
1: I can't. I can't imagine if he got to, <laughs> if he got to play with it. Like, you know, I just. I don't know. He would. He would teach us things that we could never probably imagine.
0: Yeah, when you're part of your 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 generation is like you know part of that group that i wouldn't say you've never fished without live scope but like it's been a thing for a lot of your fishing career right especially you know these last two or three years right have uh when did you get it when did you first start to use it like what was that process like for you
1: so let's think let me think um
0: i bought it my I bought
1: the LVS 32 and a 10-inch unit whenever.
0: Went big, 10-inch. I like it. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. My first one was a 9-inch. I was like going – I was uh, rinky-dink.
1: <laughs> I think I got it my – the end of my junior year of high school, but I wouldn't say I used it until – I didn't really, you know, understand it and really just start diving into it and trying to – figure out every piece of information I can get out of it until until probably, like, my freshman year of college, three years ago.
0: So that's, let's see, 2020, 20. Um, no, see. you said in high school was COVID, so 2020, so 2021, I guess?
1: Yeah, I, would, I graduated high school in 2021, and I didn't really start putting all the pieces together and really understanding it until I came to college, and that was probably – uh late 2021 early 2022 but like you know the last two years that's really like what I've
0: done what uh how do you feel like it's sort of changed your fishing or added to your fishing um
1: well for some parts of it you fish completely differently than you normally would and target completely different fish than I normally would I was a I was a shallow water power fisherman that's what I grew up doing you know that's what kind of like what my dad taught me when I was a kid. And uh it's definitely opened my eyes to a lot of different stuff. I also love ledge fishing. But Panop live skip's definitely it'll help you stay in an area longer that has fish. But you can also see how they react to your stuff to know that if you should stay or not and if they're ever gonna fire and bite. So it allows you to I'm trying to think of how to put this just from an efficiency standpoint, it puts you 10 steps ahead of everyone else.
0: Okay. On the ledge fishing side of things, because you were kind of, like you were, it looked to me anyway that you were doing some sort of traditional, I say traditional, like some live scoping that was really live scope oriented on on, on Gunnersville. you know, where you're looking for fish at a real high in the water column or chasing bait or like not really on a, con- a defined contour so to speak but then there was some other stuff you were doing where i felt like you were to a degree ledge fishing with it am i totally wrong on that or like did you kind of mix it up in the tournament yeah
1: i got kind of had two areas i know you you followed me so you got to see them yeah i had one area that was primarily it was it was a ledge you know it was it was a summertime ledge and I just happened to, you know, find some fish on it, which I've never done this time of year and it played it played some for me. You know, I think I weighed one over four off of it each the first two days and then that last day I just caught some small ones off of it. But yeah, my primary area was just bait oriented, you know, fifteen to or ten to thirty foot and, you know, the boat was sitting in probably thirty five and just kind of panning around and anything I could see, any, any bass I would see, I would try to catch it, you know. Hmm.
0: On the, on the, uh, on that place, you've got a lot of current and there was a bunch of current during the tournament. Uh, Did it matter how you brought a bait to them? Or could you kind of just, as long as you got a bait in front of them, you know, some of them would bite it, some of them wouldn't. Like, did you have to be really judicious and set things up? Or could you kind of just, Wander around. Um,
1: on those two main areas uh, that I was fishing the Toyota, it didn't really matter, you know, because they're kind of right outside of the the main river current. Like not like kind of on a one of them was on an inside swing, which wasn't directly getting current, which made it a little bit clearer, which was a pretty big key. And then one of them just the way the current hit it, it kind of just like stirs it all up and it it was just kind of like an eddy you know so the bait wasn't just flowing like with the current so it didn't really matter on those two areas. now the weekend before in the bfl and the water was clear i had a lot of places i got to run i ran probably you know 10, 10 or more places and they were a lot more specific like that current current oriented like could only run them one way
0: yeah i was watching uh you know o'connell on the last day and some of the some of the bridge guys too. It seemed like and like in that stuff, I would I, I could really see like the angle is important. You know, it's those fish they want to feed a certain way. And mm-hmm. watching you, it's like some of it might be important, but some of it is like just kind of a new thing. So that that was interesting to me that like there are fish on Gunnersville, even around the main river, right? Not back in a behind a bridge in a creek where, like, they didn't seem to care that much about current. And so that that was cool.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, they do a lot of the time, but that main area that I was in, you know, they're mostly just roamers and stuff like that that were just swimming any direction, you know, so it didn't really seem to matter. There was definitely some that I'd have to throw at several times to get it at an angle to get, it, get them to react, you know. But a lot of them, you know, they just, if I could get my bait down there, around them over them anything like that like and it was a little bit clearer water that if they saw it i could usually get them to kind of trigger and react to it if i could kind of surprise them with it
0: Hmm. um you're running i feel like this is annoying to talk about but i want to talk about it because you know you're in a unique position you're in college you don't probably don't have unlimited funds to spend on electronics at the same time you know you've got some really good stuff and it's a wild landscape now of what you can put on a boat. What, uh, like have you dove into the transom transducers? Have you dove into the brakes? Like, do you have any, like, is this stuff you really want to do or do you want, want to see this or or do you want to see like stuff restricted so that, you don't have to spend more money. Like what's your, what's your vibe on all this? Cause we're in a like uniquely wild west time period right now.
1: Yeah. So the brakes are something that I think are pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. They Uh, look sweet. (laughs) I don't, I'm, I'm, I told all my buddies before, before the Toyota, I was like, if I get a check in this Toyota, I'm buying brakes. Like I'm just, that's going to happen. I'm getting them. And, I think those are sweet. I don't see any reason to have any limitation on brakes, but I have gotten to mess around with the, the jack plate transducer and it's pretty sweet as well. I'd like to, I'd like to dive into all that, but at the same time, like I could, I don't, I don't want it to get out of hand, you know, where we're running, where you're running two off each side of the jack plate, you know, a 62 up front, a 34 perspective and a 34 forward. I think that's, that's where it just starts to get like, all right, this is, this is getting out of hand. I love I love technology and love live to death, but I don't want it to get to that level where I'm dumping. I mean, I don't even know how much all that would cost on top of your side imaging, mapping and other, like all your other units. yeah. I don't, want it to, I don't want it to get to that point for sure.
0: Yeah, it does. It does seem like we have, you know, we have some very cool technology and we've like learned a lot about fish because of it. And then at the same time, we also might've just like, rocketed past like a point of reason uh at some of the top levels anyway or on some of the boats i mean i Um, get it
1: until they put a restriction on it you might as well you need every edge you can get on the competition if if it's especially i mean you're fishing
0: for a 100 grand you know
1: yeah absolutely but i definitely don't want it to get get to you know you know what i'm ever you know what i mean just you don't want it to get to a certain point
0: (laughs) yeah for sure um do you uh I don't know do you think that do you think that the skill set for someone who's good with live scope is really different than the skill set for someone who either isn't good at live scope or like just sort of grew up like fishing more traditionally or do you think it's sort of the same skill set and one of you guys has like kind of just embraced it and the other person has embraced a different thing does that does that question make sense, or do you yeah, sort of know where I'm going? I think so. Um, I would say, from a fundamental standpoint,
1: I think your per, your traditional fisherman is probably probably more talented fundamentally, like skipping, pitching, and stuff like that. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but then you look at a live scale, You have to be accurate, and you have to know how. To, and then I don't know. You have to be accurate and stuff like that. But and then when you think of it from a mental level, I think that mentally you're even. I think the process of breaking down a body of water and finding fish, everyone thinks like, oh, just throw your live scope down. You'll just start catching them. They jump in the boat. But I think from a from a mental standpoint and actually finding the fish and breaking it down, I think, I think you're even really.
0: I think one thing that people underrate with live scope is instincts, because if you look at some of the guys who are really good with it, I think to me it's inarguable that they'd be really good regardless and i it seems to me like there are so many times where you can have a little feeling in the back of your head and you pull off and drop the scope and you find fish where you know you wouldn't have looked two or three years before and maybe someone without live scope wouldn't look now but mm-hmm. like you don't you, you don't just find fish by being like, oh, well, I live scoped more than anyone else. Like, you need it, to me, it seems like that instinctual factor, you know, that sixth sense of finding bass is still very much there. And like the decision making and things like that. Like, you can live scope your way into a bat tournament.
1: Yeah, 100%. And it's not like, it's not like you can just throw your troll meter down and find them. And all these, I, I feel like a lot of people think, like, oh, he's out there in the middle of the lake doing. X, Y, and Z nothing out there catching them with that live scope, but they're there for a reason. And whoever's out there put the pieces together to figure that out and find them out there. You know they're not just sitting out there for no reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for everything a bass does.
0: Yeah, what do you what, what do you run your settings at? Because uh, Drew Gill he runs his at like seventy feet a lot of times, and which. I would consider to be pretty short distance for a live scope, especially coming from up North. Yeah. What, what do you do? Do you vary it or do you like sort of have a thing that you're locked in on just so you, cause you really can interpret it well. Does that make sense?
1: Uh, kind of depends on water depth, but I typically like range wise, I stick around, I stick around that 90. I'll drop it down to 80. I like, I just feel like that's the size that I've gotten like especially at Gunnersville I was running like 35 or 40 down and 90 out. I don't I don't do it a whole lot further than 90 out when I'm, you know, doing what I was doing there. It kind of depends on what I'm doing, but for interpretation, I think I like I don't like it a whole lot further than 90. I feel like it kind of distorts the image. But if I let's say I was at Hartwell, Hartwell, or somewhere like that, fishing cane piles, like yeah, I might bump it up to 120 just so I can stay off those piles like that, where it's not as important as me throwing at a singular fish as it is. Like I just need to get my bait over that cane pile, you know. So it kind of depends where I'm at, but majority of the time I'm 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 a less than hundred foot guy. I don't I haven't mine stays on 90 a
0: lot. Alright, and then what do you, you were running like that blue palette, right, where it looks sort of like traditional sonar, is there, what's your reasoning for that? Um, just on like,
1: I've got the the 126SV, uh, the Echo Map Ultra,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's just the palette that I think looks best on it, I think, you know, you go up to the 8612, a little bit higher resolution unit, and that, that palette looks terrible you know really so it kind of just depends on your i think a lot of it has to do with your unit and what palette you choose and i don't know there's just like i can see hardness really well with that blue palette on my graph i know i've looked at some people's graphs and it doesn't look good but on those 126 svs like hardness wise everything pops up red which is just like a polar opposite from blue you know Mm -hmm. and i don't know i can just kind of I feel like I can hit them really good whenever I have the beam hitting them directly and get the hardest return.
0: Okay. Like you think that you can see the gradations between I'm a little off to the side or I'm dead on really well with that one.
1: Yeah. On, on that unit.
0: Yes. Okay. What about like fish size? How, how much are you, do you think you're able to tell size versus uh, like, Oh, that's just a fish. Um,
1: it depends, uh, you know, if they're swimming really fast away from you and you're just hitting like that thinner part of their body as they're swimming and their tail, it's hard, it's hard to tell size, but if you're throwing on one and let's say you throw a drop shot over to him and he goes down on it and you can just see his whole body go down, you can tell a little bit like better. When they but, turn. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not somebody that's going to be like, that's a. That's a three sixty or that's a four a four and a quarter. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to put it right on the dot and tell you, but I can I, I, I can tell pretty good, you know, what's what's one like four, five, six pounds versus I can I can definitely tell a, a good one from, you know, a two pounder. Chicken. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like the guys who fish in Texas and stuff like that and like are, are going around looking for like eights and tens and fifteens, I would love to do that sometime because i don't think i've ever seen you know i i i'm fairly sure the biggest bass i've ever seen on live scope was eight and a half and like i would love to see a bigger one sometime
1: <laughs> yeah i've seen i went to we went to a private like and you can see some they get so fuzzy and big and they just they look different honestly they don't even look right you're like what is that thing
0: <laughs> gosh that's amazing that is wild um for Gunnersville, you know, going into that last day, um, obviously it was basically neck and neck. Like, you guys were really tight. Did you come back to weigh-in and feel like you had it? Uh, or did you spend the whole day, like, grinding to the last second because you thought you needed a lot more? What was what was that like?
1: Oh, I grinded, I grinded to the last second. I didn't – I mean, I, I left later than I'd left all week to run up there and it was it was choppier than it was all week you know we had some yep. wear and uh still made it up there with time but it was like eight minutes and i i went i went through a trap and a chatterbait on the grass on on a grass point in the grass flat right across from the ramp you know i was like i'm not wasting any time and my co whenever i left from you know my main area down the lake he said He's like, what do you think? You think you got it? I was like, I'm going to be short. I was like, I needed, I needed 23 and a half to 24, and that's if you didn't catch another, you know, seven, eight-pounder. Yeah. Because really, I was – I don't know. It started out so good, though, you know. Like, I really felt like it was happening. And you get in situations sometimes where you're like, all right, it's it's happening. Like, I feel it happening. But um, that first morning, I know you came and pulled up like an hour and a half in. And I was like, I got 20. It was just like so – so quick just yeah. like everything was coming together and like I scooped that and like I got that last four pounder to my co like it's happening and I was just like jumped back up I was like trying to and I wasn't seeing a whole lot after that you know I, I knew I was running low on fish and didn't have a whole lot left so I started kind of bounced around a little bit and I came back down there to that place you know probably two and a half hours later after it reloaded and fished it a little bit fished a little bit bigger area of it than I had been and I ended up seeing one it missed my bait. I threw back at it. Or it actually missed my bait. I told my co, I was like, man, that was a big one. Like I was thinking in my head, I was like, that was definitely a five-pounder. I was like, that sucks. And so I threw at it again and it and it bit it and it was like a 540. Oh so my god. That's I awesome.
0: called out
1: I cold out a 390. Like I didn't have any small ones. So I wasn't gonna jump up and make a giant coal because they were all the same size that yeah. morning. But I sit down and retie and I stand back up. And it's like a four and a half pounder just fell out of the heavens and it's right in front of my trolling motor. I am <laughs> not kidding you. I literally just stood back up, didn't put it on spot lock or anything. I'm drifting in the wind. And I stand up like, what is that 25 foot in front of me? And I flip over
0: there. It's a four and a half pounder, wins me the tournament. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. It was crazy. Like it was it was crazy that, you know, both of you guys crushed them right out of the gate. Like, they were biting that morning, uh, or at least for you and Matt. Because, like, when I left him, he had, like, 19 or so, like, I'm sure. Like, he was catching a lot of fish. And, yeah. obviously, you were cracking them in the morning, too. So, it was, uh, it was cool to be in such a – it was cool to be at a tournament that, you know, 260 boats, and it comes down to, you know, literally two ounces at the end of it. Like, that was a very exciting, fun tournament
1: yeah that's uh
0: that's about as close
1: as they come you don't you don't yeah. get a whole lot closer than that especially over three days of competition you know usually he gets to where it spaces out a little bit and I guess me and him had just i think we both were both like three pounds maybe or something above or two a good solid two pounds above third you know but it, me and him were just sat right there neck and neck the whole event
0: yeah yeah going it so going into day three let's see you guys both had 47 and change, and then, you know, high 47, and then Austin Swindle had, like, low 46. So, granted, that's not a huge – the way that lake was fishing, that was not a huge margin. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you had 70, Matt had 69, and then, you know, Mickey was down with 66 and change. And it was – I was a little surprised somebody who wasn't in like third or fourth or fifth on the final day didn't catch a really big bag and like really scare some people. Because it seemed like that was a thing that was gonna happen (laughs) to me, honestly. I was like, this is gonna I'm gonna miss somebody who wins this because our leaders will either our leaders will crush and it'll be fine, or our leaders will do good and someone will do amazing.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, you know, you put 25 boats out there and it's Gunnersville for one. You're never, ever safe. I yep. was thinking, like, somebody – one of those 25 guys is going to have a bridge to himself, and he's going to catch 25 to 28, 30 pounds. Uh, that's that's what I was worried about the most, you know. I was like – I felt pretty confident I could catch over 20 again. I was like, I feel like I can be consistent, but I'm going to have to, you know, really catch a 23, 24-pound bag to even – I was thinking – in my head, I had 24 and a half. That's what – That's what I felt like would give me the best shot. And that was, you know, that would, that I thought if I caught 24, it was just me versus Matt, you know, whoever did better that day. But
0: what's the deal with the bridges on that lake? Do you fish them very much? Do you try to stay away from them? Like, it seems like they are so, maybe not random, but so good this time of year and then also so pressured. They're
1: so good. And they're also so hit or miss, <laughs> and there's so much pressure. It's just like it. I mean, I understand it. It's like you know, all those fish, it's they're getting ready to spawn, they're pushing back, and you know, and if a bunch of them start moving through at one time, like you just hit them on the head, and catch them every you know, catch them in 30 minutes, and you got 25 pounds. But I actually fished one in the first day of the tournament, the last, the last day of practice. um, or maybe the second to last day, I'm trying to think, whatever day the front was blowing through pretty hard, um, one day in practice, I pulled up to one, and there was fish everywhere, like, a big, a a big wave of them, like, a bunch of them were just swimming through, you know, the front was moving through, like, conditions were changing, and they were just on the move, and I pulled up, and I saw some big ones, and I, I caught, like, one almost six, I was like, geez, and then, like, I just, like, marked the time and everything, just, like, tried to figure out the timing for it, and I looked mm-hmm. at the tournament a little bit, and there wasn't – I didn't see very much swimming around, but there was also <laughs> 20 other boats
0: fishing it with me, so Gosh. It's Yeah, crazy. they're all picking – if everyone is there at the right time and they all pick off one fish, it's not very good for anyone. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, let's see. I guess maybe my last question is you're – deep in college fishing, you are also crushing right now. Uh, who are, who are the names that I don't know who like two to three years from now, we're all going to know. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. this, you could list people for probably the next half hour and I could write them all down and be like, yep, this guy. And then two years from now, I'll be like, Oh, well, he won two Toyotas. Oh, he's AOI in the Illinois division three years in a row. Like they're this current crop of young anglers is just incredibly good, um, let me think there's a bunch I'm trying to think Is uh, and like you might i'm I know that you can't list people without leaving somebody out, and like we already like we're sorry we left you out, yeah, <laughs> I didn't no, I to put you on the spot too much, but no, I you're, figured you're, I had to ask i'll give
1: stuff. i'll give you i'll I'll give you two guys that fish together to watch out, I would say they fish for North Alabama, the nut brothers, Dylan nut and Carter nut. They're, uh, they're sophomores and they've been, they've been tearing it up. They got top 10 in the MLF natty at Toho. Yep. I remember (laughs) they've won, won like they've just, they just win big tournaments. You know, they're, they're scary fishermen on the TVA, you know, and I don't know. I'd definitely keep an eye on those two guys. They're, they're pretty, hard duo they're good
0: all right i will uh I, I will keep an eye on that i also uh i just love their names i think oh, that yeah. it's. i think nut is a fun fact a fun last name
1: <laughs> yeah the nut oh. they're like i don't know they might be the next jordan Matley. matt lee they're they're pretty scary you go, you go look if you go look at them i'm not saying that but you go look at some of the stuff they've done in the last two years you know they've they've won some some big local tournaments, you know, some some big bass tournaments, some big stuff, you know, done really well in college. Won a MLF event at Harris Chain too this year to start the season. They they're rolling right now.
0: All right. I like it. Um what's your experience on Wheeler? Cuz you're uh, in the you're you're in the Natty already this fall.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sweet, but I don't have a whole lot of experience out there. <laughs> I always stay at Gunnersville, but I guess I'll have to go down and check it out a couple times for off limits, but this TVA it should be fun.
0: Well, you are three days of fishing away from fishing Redcrest on Gunnersville next year at around this time, if you like really kind of dial it out. So I think you should go learn about Wheeler because it seems like you're I, good at Gunnersville right now.
1: <laughs> I didn't know Gunners. I didn't know Redcrest was at Gunnersville. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it
0: is. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. I'm, I'm gonna go to wheeler <laughs> <laughs> yeah like right now hang up the phone just get going
1: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually about to drive back to gunnersville but maybe i need to go to wheeler
0: i i mean i it's probably going to be a lot different this fall than it is right now so like you can maybe hold off a little bit but i would consider putting your time in on wheeler because you know you could if it breaks right man you could fish for three hundred thousand uh on the home pond which is a pretty special thing. Hey,
1: another another one to watch out for. Who's actually in Redcrest this year? Is my buddy Dalton Head. That's a that's a scary one. You don't nobody. I don't know that everyone knows him yet, but he's won two big big college bass tournaments and won a ton of stuff locally. I fished against him for a long time through high school and stuff, and then won the Natty. and He's going to be at Redcrest on the home pond this year, so it'll be fun yeah. to watch.
0: Dude, so he's got he's got a you know. Obviously, big tournament, you never know how it shakes out. There are a few, like, really good locals in that one. Uh, You know, Connell probably being, like, top of the heap. But I like his – I think it would be really cool if he catches him because I I like Dalton. I do wish he would smile, like, once in a photo. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, yeah, dude, that kid catches him for sure
1: he's he's good and i'm I'm excited to watch him at latest in a couple of
0: weeks i like it well i tell you what man i've had a great time um if there is there anything you want to plug any social you've got like anything else that we should be uh following along with
1: yeah uh you can keep up with me on instagram it's just my name hayden barbett fishing and then you know, I want to give a big thanks to Ridgeline Roofing and Mike's Marine Supply. They're the ones that really made it possible for me to fish the Toyotas this year. Without them, you know, I'd still be mostly just fishing college. And I can't thank those guys enough. And then everyone else that's been helping me for the past couple of years.
0: All righty. I like it. Is your mom okay? Because she just about died during weigh-in, I thought. Well, Or I see, think I t- that was I, your mom.
1: <laughs> it was my mom. I uh, I texted I text her on the bag line. Cause I talked to Matt Matt's like, I think I got 23. I was like, I was like, dang mom, I think I'm going to lose by half a pound. (laughs) So she was just really shocked. She was like, I wish you wouldn't have texted me that. Cause I was just anticipating you to lose by half a pound, not for you to barely pull it off. So I don't know. I think she almost, she was not doing good. I was honestly worried.
0: (laughs) She, she was like, I have very rarely seen someone more emotional at a weigh-in and like, I've been to a lot of weigh-ins and people get fired up at weigh-ins and it was incredible. I was like, holy smokes, <laughs> what's happening?
1: Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I was kind of concerned for her. whenever I looked down from the stage, I was like, calm down, please. A little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm trying to be cool. I do this all the time. <laughs> it Gosh, was fun, man. All right. Good deal. Well, I tell you what, man, congratulations on the win. It was special to see. It's, uh, I am like very in favor of the kids winning tournaments. It's, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, So uh, thanks for fishing us, man. And thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Heck yeah, dude. I appreciate you having me. We'll do it. We'll hopefully do it again sometime.